0: welcome friends and thank you for tuning into the smokescreen podcast a technical exploration of media and technology in a post-truth world i am zach wolf and in this week's episode number five we're continuing where we left off looking into donald trump's twitter followers we're looking to Prove or disprove the claim that over half of his followers are fake. After we put that to rest, we're going to dig into the methodology that was used to audit Trump's followers. To close things up, we're going to talk about what Twitter has done in response to its bot problem and what responsibility a social media platform should have to address bots and spammers. Now, before we get into the good stuff... I do want to take a quick minute to apologize for going dark for so long and also talk a little bit about what I'm hoping to do with the future of the Smokescreen podcast. Now, when I first started Smokescreen, my intent was to technically dissect and explore the increasing barrage of disinformation and misinformation that was flooding my feeds While I was looking into that and kind of researching the idea, I stumbled across the emerging idea of post-truth. In 2016, the Oxford Dictionary had made it their word of the year, defined as an adjective relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. Named after a weapon in the old Spy Hunter NES game, the Smokescreen podcast was going to be an outlet for reverse engineering disinformation. Sort of map of signals in the post-truth noise. Now that premise still stands, but from a 2019 vantage point, I think it makes sense to do more than just identify and dissect the mechanisms making the noise. Moving forward... What I'd really like to do is spend some time also exploring the people, the tools, and the projects that are working to shift the balance, getting us back to fact-based discussions. Somewhere in there, there is a concept of a generally agreed-upon reality. There's a a lot to that, I think, but we're going to set our sights there and see what we can do. All right, so enough of that. Let's dig into Trump's fake Twitter followers. It's no secret that follower count is an important metric to a lot of people. And while it wasn't entirely obvious 10 or 15 years ago that it was going to end up this way, it's not all that surprising. As a result of this do-anything-for-clout mentality... A well-developed and complex ecosystem around building your social following has emerged. We have full-blown companies, sometimes legit, other times not, that have spun up and profited handsomely off providing users with social media followers. From a high level, it's important to note that this vertical or ecosystem is not inherently illegitimate. There are indeed some legit services out there. There are also some pretty sketchy ways to get your followers. In the last episode of Smoke Screen, we set out to technically assess the reports that more than half of Trump's followers were fake. Fortunately, we weren't the only ones out there in search of a legit breakdown of Trump's Twitter followers. The team at Spark Toro, a self-described search engine for audience intelligence, built a tool to audit Twitter followers and assess if they are fake using machine learning. Now, we talked a little bit in the last episode There are a lot of tools like this floating around. I tracked down a number of open source scripts and also a number that operate as a pay-to-play service style. After digging around quite a bit, I ended up really liking the Spark Toro tool. In addition to the free nature of the tool It's really well documented and they thoroughly talk through how and why it was built the way it was. So I think it really holds up strongly from a technical perspective as a source of quality assessments of Twitter followers. Now, while a standard implementation of their tool will audit a subset of followers, right around 2000, I think. In the case of Trump, They did the sample-based approach, and they also went through and audited all 60 million of his followers. Now, their research is a little outdated as of this podcast is coming back from 2018. But I think that what we've seen still makes sense now. Now, using the full audit, they arrived at the conclusion that 61% of Donald Trump's followers on Twitter are fake. So before we can really make heads or tails of what that means, there are a couple things we really need to look into. At the onset, we want to make sure that we're all working with the same definition of a fake follower. In a post where they introduce their tool, they provide the following description. This tool considers a fake follower to be someone you cannot truly reach, an account that has no reachable person following you. There may be a real human who set up the account at one point, but if, no, but if none of your tweets will ever be seen by them, they're not a true follower. For the purpose of influencing people, that account may as well not exist. Thus, we apply the adjective fake to all of these groups. Spam accounts. Those that purely send spam. Bot accounts. Those that have no real human active operating them. Propaganda accounts. Those designed to propagate dis- and misinformation. Inactive accounts. Those that no longer use Twitter or see tweets. So we might digress a little bit on a discussion of if your follower count does or doesn't influence people, right? If if you have fake followers, according to these guys, there's no influence there. The idea, I think, here is that, indeed, maybe there is influence if it's simply around, hey, look at how many people follow this guy. He he must really be popular, right? So, extremely difficult to say what impact that has, but we do know that follower count is an important metric. All right, so how did we arrive at this number? 61% from a high level... They trained some machine learning algorithms using a bunch of user account data to identify signals that would indicate with a high probability that an account was fake. So let's dig more into the specifics. To start out, in case you aren't already familiar with machine learning, Wikipedia defines it as the scientific study of algorithms and statistical models that computer systems use to perform a specific task without using explicit instructions relying on patterns and inference instead. It's seen as a subset of artificial intelligence. While machine learning is increasingly leveraged as a buzzword for marketing purposes, when you, do, when you apply it effectively to an appropriate use case, it can produce some really cool results. So that said, here's how they describe their process of training the machine learning algorithms to identify signals for fake followers. In July of 2018, we bought 35,000 fake Twitter followers from three different vendors of spam or bot accounts. Our vendors sent those followers to an empty Twitter account created in 2016 that had zero followers in 2018. It took roughly three weeks to deliver the 35,000 followers, and every day for those three weeks, we collected data on the followers. In addition to those 35,000 known spam accounts, we took another random sample of 50,000 non-spam accounts from SparkToro's database of 4 million accounts. This gave us a total of 85,000 accounts to run through machine learning on AWS. Those 85,000 accounts were split into two groups with a mix of spam and non-spam accounts. Group A as the training set, Group B as the testing set to analyze the performance of the models. They then use the following data points or features for the initial model generation. Profile image, profile URL, verified account status, language, tweet language, account age and days, length of bio, number of followers, number of accounts they follow, days since the last tweet, number of tweets, number of times the account appears on lists, location and display name. After a model was found to fit the data, they analyzed the correlations to determine features that closely correlate with spam. While nothing was one-to-one correlated to detect spam, there were a good number of features that did show promise. The following were the strongest correlated to spam accounts. Profile image. Accounts lacking these are often spam. Account age and days. Certain patterns are clearly spam-correlated. They do not, however, go on to say what that pattern is. A number of followers. Spam accounts tend to have very few followers. Days since the last tweet. Many spam accounts rarely, if ever, send tweets. Number of times the account appears on lists. Spam accounts are almost never on lists. Display name. Certain keywords and patterns correlate strongly with spam. So these, however are not alone. They go on to report. And other signals that have decent correlations with spam, especially when multiple signals apply to a single account, are also useful to build a functioning model. So through trial and error, and of course pattern fitting, we crafted a scoring system that could correctly identify over 65% of the spam accounts. And that's that's really impressive. And it's also worth note that 65% of the spam accounts, they're not catching every single account. They, they know some of these accounts are spam and their machine learning is only detecting 65%. So that the, the number of 61% for Donald Trump, you know, based on that, we could assume it's probably actually higher. They're erring on the side of caution here and they're not firing off and saying an account is spam or fake unless it triggers seven or more different patterns. So, signals, I'm sorry. So, seven or more different signals are going to trigger and then it flags an account. So, any one, two, or even five of these signals are not enough to flag an account. Based on this, by design, it would seem like it would be much more common for the tool to have a false negative where it thinks a fake account is lit as legit as opposed to a false positive in which it correctly incorrectly identified a legit fake account. So early on, I mentioned if you go to their site and use this tool, it will only be run against a subset of your followers, especially if you have a large following base. What's interesting is that when they ran the tool against a subset of Trump's followers, that it reported only 57% were fake, a 4% difference from the full 60 million follower audit. So this is yet another reason that I think that we can trust that if they flag an account as fake, that it probably is. The next thing we want to look at is how Trump's results shape up to the large to other large accounts on Twitter. Now, it's not clear if they ran full audits against these uh, additional accounts or just a subset but the results clearly show that Trump is well above the average of 41% when it comes to large U.S. political accounts. So here are a number of other accounts that they ran the tool against. Kamala Harris comes in at 24.4%. Ted Cruz, 26%. Susan Collins coming in at 246 Mike Pence, 41.5%. Right there at the average. Al Gore forty one percent Beto O'Rourke twenty two point seven Barack Obama forty point nine percent Mitch McConnell thirty one point three Jerry Brown fifty percent Lindsey Graham twenty five point three Elizabeth Warren's coming in at thirty three point seven and Hillary Clinton forty three point eight. So knowing with a high degree of confidence that fake accounts are widespread across larger accounts, we certainly kind of raise up some larger questions from that. So some of these questions are going to be really difficult to answer. For example, who is behind these accounts and what impact does follower count really have? I think it really depends because under this definition of fake We have thrown spam accounts in there that may be actually pushing out propaganda or disinformation versus a a straight up account that was created and doesn't tweet, doesn't ever, you know, interact at all from there. So it's really difficult to assess, you know, the impact that this would have. And I think another thing that this makes me question is, you know, would we find similar percentages on other social media sites? Either way, one question that we can tackle here and now is what is Twitter doing to stop the spam? So the Spark Toro team had this to say on the topic. The ease with which these accounts can be identified suggests Twitter is unwilling, rather than unable, to identify and remove obvious spam bots, inactive propaganda accounts. And in 2011, I tracked down a paper from 2011, a paper I tracked down entitled Spammers Networks Within Online Social Networks, a case study on Twitter. The following is shared. Twitter usually fights spammers by suspending their accounts. But in general, online social networking sites do not detect and suspend suspicious user activity. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, do not suspend suspicious accounts quickly. They're not willing to deploy automated methods to detect and remove spam accounts, fearing that this will lead to a serious discontentment among users. Thus, they wait until a sufficient number of users report a specific account as a spam account before they suspend it. However, legitimate users are unwilling to invest time and report spammers. Hence, spammers are allowed more time to spread spam. So a lot has obviously changed since 2011. But I think that base idea holds true. Automated or aggressive spam and fake account detection and removal methods will definitely cause headaches for legit users. Captchas, these types of things, you know, they they really uh, can can uh, tick off users. Now I'm not, uh, certainly not letting Twitter off the hook here. But I think it is important to try to understand some of the other facets of this problem. So, you know, moving from 2011 back to the present, Twitter and other major social media platforms have really landed smack dab in the middle of a political information, you know, battlefield, right? Content filtering and moderation used to be some obscure stuff really wasn't that important. And now, you know, this debate has made its way all the way to the floor of Congress, right? It's uh, at this point, you have both sides of the aisle in the U.S. crying foul. Anyways, at the same time, it's also worth mentioning, Twitter has a great deal more data to work with than we do. So we have access to public APIs, whereas Twitter has things like IP address that was used to create an account, phone numbers associated with that account, email addresses, when accounts log in, all these different pieces of data. Definitely I think that Twitter could be doing more and why they aren't is is uh definitely a good question, right? Now at the same time, they have in the uh last couple years there have been a large uh, a couple different times when they did uh you know purge a lot of bot accounts i had mentioned in a previous episode that i had purchased 10,000 followers from the dark net as a experiment to see just how easy this kind of stuff was and i think that they nuked uh, about 90% of those followers now um it's hard to say if the remaining eight or 900 followers that account has are, are actually real. Um, I doubt it, but you know, I guess some of them could be, um, either way, oddly enough, about a week ago, Twitter started sending out emails to addresses associated with accounts that hadn't been logged into for a while. And in the email, they're giving you the option. It's pretty easy to keep and hold that account if you want, but you do have to follow a couple simple steps. I'm guessing to log in, and just validate that you're still there and, and active. So one of the interesting things about this is that we can certainly assume that a number of folks are, have lost access to those emails, given up, don't care about those accounts, and those usernames are going to be recycled. So put back into the pool. Now, they are saying that it's not going to be a one giant time thing where all the accounts that are purged are released back into the pool immediately it's going to be kind of an ongoing thing as certain accounts are freed up then they'll they'll be released so that'll definitely be interesting to see how that plays out and if any of these major accounts lose large subsets of followers as a result so i think in the end you know 61 percent is a pretty sizable number definitely large enough that the impact it has is, you know, it's debatable. Who knows for sure exactly how that influences people. But I think that when you're talking about that many fake followers, it's definitely something that we we should probably be paying attention to and somehow getting to the bottom of. Now the methodology that these guys use to come to this conclusion, again, you can check out their website and their blog post on SparkToro. It is, in my opinion, a pretty legit technique and methodology that they've used. Aside from you know fully publishing the the code itself, they very clearly articulate how and why they what describes a fake follower, how they came to these conclusions and what you know what those things mean. So this is a really reliable reporting and tool, and you know, in my eyes. And uh, finally, kind of closing things up, there are there is indeed probably enough material on the topic of what a social media platform, what their responsibility is to content filtering and moderation, to fill an entire show. I know that it goes back to a ruling. I think it was in the early 2000s. I, don't, I want to look into this again. It's been a while since I've read about it, but there was a ruling that kind of set precedent around platforms. And, you know, as a platform, you know, you're not responsible for, the, uh, for what your users say. And that kind of paved the way really for what we have now. And, you know, you've had Mark Zuckerberg sitting in front of Congress talking about how they don't want to be the arbiters of truth and, you know, they just uh, want to be out there letting people post stuff. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's, I, I don't blame them. It's really difficult, right, to assess fact, truthful statements, assess bias, and what should and shouldn't be allowed, right? Ultimately, this ends up, in a First Amendment issue in the United States, and it's complicated. There isn't a simple clear way to do this. Content moderation at scale is not easy either. There's uh, you know some, some really some pretty scary horror stories out there around folks, especially image sites, right? People who have done content moderation for image sites, kind of stuff that they have to filter out and spend their days looking at is really disturbing. So perhaps a great use case for machine learning, artificial intelligence in the future, trying to auto flag some of this stuff for us. In the meantime, it's an incredibly complex, difficult problem to solve. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that follow up. I don't know what the future holds for smokescreen. I'm kind of testing out, throwing around some new ideas. There's so much material. I would love to talk about The shape of the Earth. I would love to look into the four Ds of disinformation. I have a list going, and it's like every single day, two or three news stories, articles, and ideas kind of connect up on this topic. There just really is quite a bit, and now at this point, it's refreshing in that there are some folks out there working hard to combat the, the fake news, the disinformation, and try and find signal in the noise.